When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Colorado got itself in some hot water and put itself on punishment. And Kirk Ferentz made the most Kirk Ferentz offensive coordinator hired that I have ever seen. Let's go. It's the number one college football show. What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube. We're listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we got to talk about Tim Lester being the new offensive coordinator at Iowa and what that means for the Hawkeyes as well as the Big Ten. Got to talk a little bit about what the Big 12 has in store in 2024. And my goodness, we got to talk about Colorado. I want to get started with that one straight away because I thought it was funny that I read a story in USA Today about Colorado self-reporting NCAA violations, right? Now, the headline here is they broke the rule, right? They got themselves in some hot water. But that's not uncommon, okay? If you've been around college football for some time, you understand the nature of self-reporting violations. If you see it, you call yourself on it, and you inform the NCAA that you saw it. What's interesting about this is that Colorado had 11 through Prime's first year at Colorado, and for perspective there, They had two at Ohio State, and they had zero at Alabama in Nick Saban's last year. But some of these violations feel really antiquated and rather stupid, if not farcical. And I'm going to go through some of them just to kind of outline for you what it is that Colorado is doing. Because you might think, oh, man, they're getting in some NIL conversations, and, and they're having the same sort of bad press that goes around, say, Tennessee, Florida, Miami, so forth, so on. Not not really, because Prime is not wanted to pay anybody to play college football over at Colorado, right? And I think it's funny because Prime has done one better. He is offering them the opportunity to get the sort of exposure that leads to USA Today running a story about to get an 11 self-reported NCAA violations. Again, not serious penalties here, but penalties nonetheless. So an example of this would be They hosted a post-grad camp on May 30th last year for 350 players, right, that were in the transfer portal. Later, they found out that seven of those players were not actually in the transfer portal, so they could not be at that camp. They reported that, and for that, they put themselves uh, into a two-week recruiting ban situation from June 15th to June 28th, which is not a small thing, right? You're usually recruiting right around that period anyway, right? Another example of this comes from social media, and that's where we see a bunch of these violations. One is Prime being on his IG, 
being overjoyed that he ended up getting a recruit's commitment, a wide receiver named Aaron Butler, but also going out of his way to be like, can I say his name? I can't say his name. I can just be excited that we got this recruit coming in. Well, didn't say his name, but we did see Aaron Butler on the IG live stream, and that was an NCAA violation, just him showing. Another thing, they are absolutely putting them, their business in the street. And the reason I say this is because they tweeted a spreadsheet of recruits that they were looking to get. Now, the point of said tweet was to show that, hey, we ain't forgot about these dudes. These guys are very high on our list. Just because you ain't heard that much about them doesn't mean that we're not recruiting them. Well, turns out publishing such a list on the tweets is an NCAA violation, okay? And we get more of this, right? A lot of this comes around just how many cameras, both camera phones and television cameras, that are on Prime's program from the moment that he decided to become head coach at Colorado and also kind of really underlines that Prime, and anytime he wants to be out and about, we're talking, is going to make news, even when the news is not really much of talking. But as you can see, like, we're talking about it because just someone finding out that that guy had led a program that got 11 really minor violations is newsworthy. It's kind of newsworthy where when the Big 12 announced its schedule on Tuesday, he shows up on Undisputed talking about college football and the college football playoff. And this is where I think it's interesting, and this is why we're paying attention to the prime. The man goes 4-8 and eight in 2023. Bad season by his standards, bad season by Colorado standards, even if you know they increase their win percentage by 400%. And says, we expect to make the college football playoff 2024. Why would he do that? Because we got 12 teams. But he still believes that they will be a good enough football team in this new Big 12 with their schedule to make the college football playoff. And you know what? I got to tell you, if they succeed in making the college football playoff with their schedule, yeah, that's going to be one of the toughest college, uh, college football teams in the country because they got North Dakota State, Nebraska, Colorado State on the schedule, along with the rest of the Big 12. Ain't no days off for the uh, Colorado Buffaloes in 2024. But you don't have to make that hard, right? And I think you're making it hard by getting yourself in some unnecessary hot water with these self-imposed violations, right? Like, all right, my favorite of the self-imposed violations comes from an August 16th event where we had an intern lead the team in a half hour of yoga. But because that intern was not one of the five strength conditioning coaches that are allotted to FBS programs, they had to report that they let the intern lead a half-hour session of yoga. And they had to self-impose violation because an intern led a half-hour of downward dog. Ridiculous. And, you know, here's the problem with this. is The NCAA is the world's best punching bag. I mean, apart from, like, NASCAR Congress, so for someone where you just want to get mad at an entity for enforcing the rules— yeah, dog, I don't know that the NCAA has done anything but remind people how much they don't like the maid service that their institution employs, because that's what it is. The NCAA is a glorified maid service. The member institutions employ it. The NCAA does not employ anybody. But basically, since we had Division 1A and Division 2A, we've seen programs go at the NCAA's neck over things like this. So we had 1978, Division 1A, Division 2A, because the NCAA was divvying up television contracts. And by 1984, Georgia and Oklahoma had decided 
Now, we don't think you should be able to tell us which national uh, national games we're going to get to play in, be televised. And they took that all the way to the Supreme Court, and they won. Hence, we get these new conferences that are making these deals with television networks for millions and now billions of dollars, right? As we continue to get into this age of name, image, and likeness, and we start to really career toward paying players like employees with benefits and Taxes, I wonder, I, I'm kind of annoyed at how many of y'all just get upset that players are going to have to learn to pay taxes. Dog, I've been paying taxes since I was 14 years old. You know, want to know why? Because I got a job. That's what playing football is. It's a job, right? But when you are usually having to do all these other things that go into paying your job, things that we're not going to worry about is whether or not you're taking a selfie at your job. We're not going we're not going to worry about whether or not you want to ID live with the boss. We're not going to worry about whether or not you were working out for your job and they let an intern lead yoga at your job, right? The NCAA is enforcing rules that are antiquated, out of date, all these things that you know, and yet it's a really easy way to just go at somebody else's neck when you made a problem, right? And that's why the self-reported part of this is such a big deal. If the NCAA investigated and then found these things, the penalties would be more severe because, well, they want you to tell on yourself at the college football layout, uh, level, but you know, like how many of us are gonna go out of our ways to tell on ourselves in a capitalistic environment? Not a, not a ton of us, right? And when you are prime, you're already going to get more eyeballs, but you're inviting this, right? I think he has to know that these things are coming and he has to understand that we're going to talk about them. And when we talk about them, what does he have to say in response? So saying something like we expect to compete for a spot in the college football playoff in 2024, doesn't make him any different than the other 133 FBS teams that we got here, right? And yet, because he had the nerve to say it out loud, we're going to talk about it. I don't know, man. I'm I'm raised to believe that I can do anything that any man has ever done. And 12 teams getting into the college football playoff seems like, you know, 300% more than we're getting in before. And if you think that you could start the season the way they did last year, and then carry that momentum through, you got a shot. But for Prime, it ain't about whether or not they can carry that momentum. It's about whether or not they can keep the quarterback upright and whether or not that quarterback can finish the season because Shador Sanders didn't, and they couldn't keep him upright. I ain't seen too much on the offensive line short of Jordan Seaton that's going to have me thinking they're going to do anything to keep that man upright long enough to throw the football down the field to guys like Travis Hunter, guys like Xavier Weaver, guys like Jimmy Horn, right? To say nothing of, What's your defense going to be about, right? Like, if you're Texas Christian, you saw the Big 12 schedule coming out, you're going, hey, why isn't Colorado on this schedule? We, we, would like, we would like another shot at this. We would like a third attempt to go at Colorado. But, you know, that doesn't make them any different than anybody else that's going to get to play Colorado in 2024 because Prime is inviting so many people in and so many people want to be associated with Colorado football. You got folks like Dan Lanning with a superior football team Absolutely gussying up his his program and his players to go at Colorado's neck at a home game. All right. That's what it means. Now, if you are prime, you're looking at your players going, see, I have everybody looking at you. I'm doing my job. Now you got to do your job and go win football games. Yo, dog, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be tough. But you know what? That doesn't make him any different than one of my favorite coaches of all time, John Merritt, who coached Tennessee State who did not coach uh, practice at all. He let his coordinators coach practice. Then he showed up on game day in his Cadillac convertible, and he walked into the program in the locker room and said, you owe me a victory, and you owe me a victory, and you owe me a victory, and kept going down the list. 
going, I expect you to win. I have brought everything you want here. You're getting all the girls. You're getting all the attention. I need you to go win some football games. That's where Prime is in his progress right now. And we'll see if Colorado's football team can answer the bell come 2024. But again, that schedule is ridiculous. Like whoever put North Dakota State on the schedule, that person need to get a talking to. Because there ain't no wins there, right? But you know what? Can't no be no worse than Oklahoma State putting South Dakota State on the schedule after taking an L from South Alabama in 2023, all right? Let's go from talking about that Big 12 program to a Big 10 program that played in the Big 10 championship game. Yeah, I'm talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes. All right, so Iowa has hired Tim Lester to be its new offensive coordinator. Background on Tim Lester is pretty straightforward, right? He was a MAC championship quarterback at Western Michigan and a four-year starter. My favorite factoid about him is that his degree is in mathematics. Don't see that from a football coach too often, let alone a football player. Coach at the high school level, the D3 level, the D2 level, FBS and NFL levels. He's actually coming as uh, from the Green Bay Packers as an offensive analyst to be the coordinator at Iowa. And his only 10-win season as a head coach was vacated. My man was coaching at Elmhurst in the College Conference of Illinois in Wisconsin. They won 10 games and had all 10 wins vacated because they had broken NCAA financial aid rules because Elmhurst is a Division III football program and they ain't got no scholarships in Division III. So you got to come up with some creative ways to get guys through the program. Well, NCAAs found that they had violated. And in those violations, the only 10-win season that he had just went bye-bye. Only conference championship they had went bye-bye. But last time he was an offensive coordinator at this level, meaning the Power 5 level, he was at Syracuse in 2015. And that team went 4-8. But the silver lining here is scored 27.2 points per game. And you know what? If Brian Ferentz could have scored 27.2 points per game, he'd still be the offensive coordinator at Iowa. That's what they're asking for. They're asking for 25 a game. And this man gave them 2.2 more nine years ago at Syracuse when his quarterback was Eric Dungy. Now, if you remember Eric Dungy like I remember Eric Dungy, that man was really great in a rock fight. And that's what Iowa wants to be. Iowa wants to be in rock fights. All right. They want to win games seven to three. They want to win games 10 to seven. And Tim Lister gives them an opportunity to do just that. But I'm more incensed by Kirk Ferentz's categorization of what he was looking for in his offensive coordinator. Now, Kirk Ferentz has been a head coach at Iowa for 25 years. So this is the 25th year. All right. And he's won some football games. And, and doggone it, Iowa has been good. However, I find it funny that the quote is, we have won a few games. I know sometimes we all forget about that. I probably wouldn't be standing here after 25 years if that weren't the case. And complimentary football is the best way to win here, in my opinion. Also, complimentary football. What does that mean? To Ferentz, it just means don't turn the ball over. The quote, you've got to respect the ball. Ball security is critical. We got away with it in 09 a little bit, but there are certain things that are paramount. First of all, Throwing one of the greatest Iowa football teams to not win a championship under the bus, I did not expect. All right? Like that 0-9 team with Ricky Stanzi, a.k.a. Ricky Sixes, that team won 11 games. 
The Chiefs finished number seven in the final AP poll. But the thing that Kurt Ferentz is so mad about is that Ricky threw 15 interceptions to 17 touchdowns. All right. Now, in Ricky's defense, three of those interceptions were returned for touchdowns. So, I mean, you know, is it glass half full or the glass half empty? It's funny. It's funny because the best offensive football team I can remember Iowa putting on is the one that Kirk Ferentz wants to reference when he says, this is not who we want to be. I, I understand. If it was up to Kirk Ferentz, we play defense and we punt the ball. And you know what? Defense has been outstanding and he's got maybe the best punter that we have seen since Ray Guy going into the NFL, right? He has a Broyles Award winner at his defensive coordinator spot in Phil Parker. And we thought that Phil Parker could have won the Broyles Award each of the last three years, right? Because what they have been doing defensively is phenomenal. And that defense is the reason they made the Big Ten title game against Michigan, okay? And then you got to see why Deacon Hill ain't it, right? However, if Tim Lester can get just the kind of play that Cade McNamara showed in 2021 at Michigan out of him at Iowa, we're talking about Iowa, again, being a top 10 program deep into the season when people are getting found out and where your defense really does have to step up in a real way to stop other offenses that are getting into gear. I also just kind of want to point this out. All right. It's not just they went 11 and two. It's not just that they finished number seven in the final AP. It's that they got wins against Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, and an Orange Bowl win against Georgia Tech back when Georgia Tech was good. And Kirk Ferentz is going, we turned the ball over too much in 09. Remember in 09? Remember something that happened 15 years ago that's going into who he's going to hire to be his offensive coordinator in 2024? Like, I can't imagine that Iowa fans would be looking at somebody, say, like Tommy Reese, who didn't have a job, and be like, hey, maybe that dude can help us. Maybe that dude can modernize the offense. Maybe that guy can turn us into the kind of program that can score 30, 35 points in a game. Maybe. We could see. And Kirk Ferentz going, I don't want that. Mm -mm, no, no. What I want, what I want is for you to run the football, get us into third and short. You convert it. Great. If you don't, defense will take over. It's fine. Just don't give the ball to the other team and we'll be fine. Again, that's Iowa football. That's who they want to be. That's who Kirk Ferentz wants to be. It's a man who went out of his way to say, I don't think the college football playoff is a great thing because it puts an emphasis on playing from the national championship and that ain't, to him, what college football is about. It's about beating Iowa State. It's about being decent in your conference. It's about making the Big Ten title game. And as long as that's who Iowa wants to be, that's who they're going to be. But if you want to take a step toward being the kind of team that can win a national championship, I don't know that just avoiding takeaways is going to be your recipe for success in an age where we have shown you got to be able to score and you got to be able to score often if you expect to play for a national championship. All right. Now, let us talk with Kansas head coach Lance Leipold about 2024 and what he is excited with their Big 12 schedule. I'm pleased to be joined by Kansas Jayhawks head coach Lance Leipold. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, RJ. Hope you're doing well. I am, sir. I am. I got to ask you, I'm looking at the schedule and it's unique for a number of reasons, not the least of which is we got some new Big 12 opponents for you guys to play, but also we're going to get to see you play. Is this right? Four games at Arrowhead and two at Mercy Park? 
Yes, sir. It is. You know, uh, you know, it's some, you know, not just on the field, I guess, uh, you know, the transformation of our program, obviously our administration has done a great job and moved very quickly and, uh, you know, the renovation and, and really tear down a, a part of uh, David Booth, Kansas Memorial Stadium. And and really to keep that project on on schedule, as we know, uh, that that can be a, a balancing act and it's a tight timeline. So to get ready even for the 25 season, um, um, just made a decision. And we've had two great partners at two different places. Like you said, it'll be unique, but I think it's one that our players are really excited about. I got the price tag here at around $300 million, getting a lot of that in private donors and folks really getting behind what it means, not just KU basketball, but KU football. What does it mean for you to know that you got this kind of momentum and they got to see a nine-win season last year, a bowl victory? It feels as if they're investing in a future that's going to be really bright. Yes, I, I think things have kind of really, um, I don't know about ahead of schedule because I don't know if we really, you know, arrival of the time of the hire rj as you're well aware of all of those things made it very unique but what i found out upon my arrival was uh we got a lot of passionate people that have been starving for for some success on the football field as well as supporting our basketball program and, and our other sports and once we were able to give them a taste of success i think things accelerated um i think uh for a long time through past administration and coaches, it's always been acknowledged that uh, the stadium needed work and there are things that needed to be updated, the things that we were desperately behind in, in, in the Big 12 and across the country and facilities and other things. And and uh, really the energy and leadership of Travis Goff and as athletic director and our chancellor, Doug Gerard, is really, um, I think it's the best alignment I've ever been a part of. And and we kind of hit this thing all together and, and really made some things happen that have kind of put this project and you mentioned, uh, you know, about 300 million, I think we'll hit even far north of that when the whole project of what's going to be done is completed. And I think it's really going to give us uh, a chance to keep this uh, thing on firm footing and, and build it for years to come. Coach, I got to tell you, I'm paying attention last year and I'm, I'm looking at this program in Washington and they got yeah. a head coach who got a small school background, won some national championships they had a dynamic quarterback who move around and make some plays. They had a tailback that came on strong toward the second half of the season. They had a defense that was good enough to keep them in every game. And I got to tell you, I'm looking at you and your <laughs> background. I'm looking at what you got, Jason Bean and Jalen Daniels, looking at Devin Neal, looking at some playmakers at wideout, looking at what you had on defense. I got to ask you, how close do you feel <laughs> to being able to compete on that sort of a level? I understand getting to the conference championship being a big part of that, but nine yeah. wins versus 11. And then we're well, thinking about, hey, what what else can you do here, Coach? Well, you know, first of all, it's very flattering uh, on multiple things I, I could touch on there. Um, I, I think, as you say, uh, we we return a lot of players and production in the uh, in the skilled area. I, I think a couple of years back, you and I did one of these, and we were talking about being the youngest Power Five football team in the country, um, and uh, or and uh, really one of the youngest or. or and, and third youngest overall. And now all these players have continued to stay here and develop and do those things. That's very exciting. I look at last year's schedule and in, in, in three of the games we lost, um, we had leads uh, or had opportunities, um, you know, and we were playing with our third quarterback, true freshman walk on at the time and Cole Ballard. So the, you know, we, we hate, had opportunities even for more, but 
Um, as we know, the margin of, of winning and losing, especially in our conference right now, is so small, and you have to play well. You have to stay healthy. But with expanded playoff and those things, uh, a lot of great things are on the horizon that, that can happen for a lot of teams. And we we hope to be one of those that, that can be in the mix. But we've got a lot of work to do in the in the meantime. We have some holes to fill in some other places, and we're exciting. But uh, you mentioned Kalen DeBoer, and I have great respect for Kalen because – when I was coaching Division Three, he was winning those national championships at at the NAI level, and we used to be at our national convention together at these banquets. And he and I would stand in the corner because uh, and nobody would talk to the small school guys, and we just were sitting there in the little. So we kind of struck a friendship from there, and and we kind of chuckle about it today that we've been fortunate to uh, to to get to this level, and uh, but never want to forget where we came from. I find it interesting, Coach, that you all have really built your programs, not dissimilarly, but continuity being one of the biggest parts of it, being able to not just keep the roster intact, but the coaching staff intact. And I yeah. got to ask, Coach, your name is coming up every single time we have one of these coaching positions open elsewhere. What is it about Kansas that has made you feel comfortable in a place you don't want to leave? Well, as you know, and you and you've been doing this a while, and you watch. Well, there, there's two ways. If you win enough games, they talk about you for every job, and if you don't, they 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 talk about you now till the season starts that you're on the hot seat to get fired. So, you know, I don't know what the guys that get to stay in the middle, but uh, you know, it, it's it's flattery. But you know, there's there's certain jobs that just you know I, I believe in fit. I believe in our our staff. If if you know football and you can coach young men and motivate them and mentor them and you treat people right and you're transparent and authentic in what you're doing, um, you can coach at any level. And uh, and and the things that we've been able to do as a staff now, we we did lose a couple staff members, lost our offensive coordinator, Andy Kolnicki, um, was with you know we we're together eleven years, but uh, we think we. We we hit we found a great fit in Jeff Grimes, who most recently was at Baylor and 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 had success there when they won the league. So, um, but but staff continuity and and trust in doing that, I've I'm I've been very fortunate to have a staff that's been wanting to stay. Um, but but back to the job itself is I, I I think there's still many things that we can do here, and I think uh, the job fit us from the day we arrived and the challenge and how we go about it, and I think our players have embraced it. Um, uh, like I said, administratively, and our fan base have welcomed my wife and I and our family, and and we're happy. And 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 sometimes uh, um, you know there's the, that's what it should be about, and uh, as we tell our players. In, in today's world of portal and opportunities and NIL is that if we make all our decisions strictly based on money and transactional relationships, I don't know if we'll ever be fulfilled or happy. And if I'm going to say that to our players, I better make sure I'm walking that walk myself. A lot to pull there, Coach. Uh, and I want to start with talking about your offense. I'm high school quarterback, so you'll have to forgive me, but I'm looking at Jeff Grimes coming in. I know what he did at Baylor. I also know what he did at BYU, right? Particularly, mm -hmm. I know with Zach Wilson being one of those guys, but Brady Christensen on that offensive line, and then taking it back to LSU with what he was able to do with guys like Lyle Collins. Soft-spoken man, but one hell of a play caller. Why do you think he was a good fit for what you're trying to do at Kansas? 
Well, I was so extremely impressed with him, even the first year we played and what they did with their pick to finish near the bottom of the league, probably maybe right above us, I think, that first year. And they and they won a championship and and they and they took an undersized center that we had at at, at Buffalo named Jacob Gall and he and he and he started a couple of years for him. I'm like this guy knows how to work with some of the type of guys that we've worked with. That was one big thing. I really like what they did offensively, and I thought it could mesh in well with what we were what we were doing. And that was one of the things we talked about was um, I don't want our players have to learn a, a whole new system. I want it to be a blending. I wanted to have little tweaks of ad, but I really like what, what we've been doing. I think it's exciting. I think we have a lot of people involved, and I wanted to do that, and, and Jeff really embraced that. I think also – you know, we named Jim Zabrowski our quarterback coach, our co-offensive coordinator. Jim was my was our offensive coordinator at Whitewater my first three years, did a you know, did an outstanding job. He's done a great job with our quarterbacks. And he called the plays in the bowl game, and we had over 400 yards in the first half of that game. And I think with Jeff's line experience and other things that he's done, and Jim's uh you know, we'll, we'll probably have a little more input than he had in the past in the passing game. I, I think we're going to, you know, be as explosive as ever um, if, if we can keep everybody healthy. Well, that was the next question, Coach, is what is it this year that you might be changing around injury prevention in your strength and conditioning? I know winter training this time of year, everybody's going pretty hard because they're trying to put it on right now. But I got to look at a guy like Jalen Daniels and think if he can play for an entire year, be healthy, what is Kansas capable of? And that goes for your entire roster. Is there something that you want to change about how you're keeping your guys healthy the rest of the uh, rest? Well, of the year? again, our Matt Gildersleeve, our, our, our head strength and conditioning coach, does an outstanding job. And, and, and it's unfortunate some of the things Jalen's gone through, but it's been slightly different things. And uh, but on the whole, other than some that are more on the preventable, uh, you know, unpreventable sides, uh, you know, high ankle sprains, things like that. Um, we've been a pretty healthy football team and, and knock on wood on that. You know, Devin Neal had his healthiest season and his three seasons with us. Our receiving core was available every game as were, as were all our tight ends. I think our secondary, um, you know, Mello Dotson who had a heck of a year, may, missed parts of a couple games, but was available for the start of all of them and, and, and those things. So we're pretty decent there. Um, you know, but again, depth and plugging the hole. We had Austin Booker who replaced Lonnie Phelps a year ago who declared for the draft. Austin comes in, has a great year, first team all conference, and he declared for the draft. So we're going to have to find that edge rusher that, that we're looking for on that side of the ball. We lose a lot of snaps and experience and production from Kenny Logan in the safety spot. But I, I think we have two guys that have played a fair amount, but, but then the depth there will be very competitive. And then the steadiness and leadership and, and really getting people lined up all the time in Rich Miller in the middle is another one that we're going to have to make sure we address as we go through spring football. Again, Coach, it's going to be a unique year with uh, the sites that you're playing with and also mm -hmm. with some expectations about what Kansas football ought to be in the Big 12. Got to talk with Coach Dykes about basically the same problem I think you're going to have, which is with Texas and Oklahoma being on the way out, and knowing what the membership looks like in 24, how how are you fielding these questions from Kansas fans? They're going, hey, uh, I think we're supposed to be winning this conference from here <laughs> on out. I think we're supposed to be we belong in this uh, conversation every single year. Well, I, I think the balance, like you said, is going to be really exciting. Um, I think the you know, I really didn't know how I felt coming from the MAC where we had divisions and and things and 
And then we come to the Big 12 and you play everybody. And now we're back to not playing everybody to try to decide. So that's going to be, you know, as we know, who do you play? Who don't you play? When do you match up? How do you match up? And when is that matchup happening? So there's a lot of things that that'll, that, that'll be probably talked about on shows like yours and, and other things or through social media. But it, it'll be exciting. But I think it, it gives us that balance. Uh, I was kind of alluding to earlier those losses that we had. I had a booster come up to me and talk about that we could have been a 10-2 and two football team. I said, yeah, you know, but it sure beats being 2-10 and 10 like we were a few years <laughs> back, you know. But uh, so – um, there, our fan base is excited, and uh, you know you want increased expectations. It it, it gets excitement, it gets things. But um, I think one thing about that though is uh, in in the walls of our our buildings, uh, we we cannot forget what got us to where we were. We've got to be where our feet are at, and we've got to take each day with the same type of. Uh, attention to detail and work ethic that that helped put us in this position. And we talked about it some last year, RJ, with at the start of the season. Um, I say, uh, you know, there to me as the head coach, there was going to be a, a fine line between confidence and complacency. Mm. You can be very confident in what you're doing, but you can't be complacent about the little things that help get you there. And, uh, you know, we had 18 penalties in our bowl game, and that's something that I really haven't even got to the team yet to touch back Hold on. Hold on, Coach. You you were number 14 in penalties allowed before that game. Like, I know. Disciplined. I know. And I'm like, where did it all go? And, 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 and as a head coach, you take responsibility for that. So you know those things better than I do. But, yeah, you know, we've taken pride in in, in that because we always felt, you know, our, our, our margin, uh, you know, is very small for it. We have to play well to win games and, and we can't beat ourselves. So, but I go back to that, you know, when you have as many returning players at some key spots, it it's the little things and, and uh, not to, not to pick on that one particular player or anything, but you watch the AFC championship game and you look at a, a penalty and a ball security issue and it changes a, a game very quickly. And those are small things we've always talked about. And, and we got to make sure that we, Though we have productive players, players that have opportunities, hopefully at the next level, we cannot forget some of the things that got us to where we are. All Zay Flowers has to do is hand the football back to the referee, go back, get your first down. All he has to do is continue to go toward the end zone, and maybe they win that football game. I understand what you mean, and you never want to be that player making that sort of play that's going to hurt the team. But, Coach, I also I just wanted to put this in here. Coach Saban used to say that, this year's achievements are next year's expectations. And I think that's what you're starting to deal with more than anything else. I'm also looking at a guy like Devin Neal, a, a dude that I think is very important to your program because of what he did in high school, choosing to go back to us or stay home, right? And he's gone from 1,000 yards, I think, at 22 to 1,280 in 23. At this age of name, image, and likeness and guys getting paid to do this job, for lack of a better term here, but also having the sort of star you got at that tailback position. Tell me what it is about his character that has allowed him to flourish. And one of the reasons that he has wanted to stay with you at Kansas going into this all important 24 season. You know, I, I think it's the, the complete makeup from it. When you, when you meet him, he's a, uh, he, he's a very um, level guy and everything. Now he's a competitor and he wants to do that, but uh He's humble in how he goes about it, but he's still hungry and determined. And and I think some of the things that helped him decide to to want to stay, uh, obviously his family and others are are extremely important. 
But I thought, you know, many times, and and I don't want to get too far off here with you, but RJ, I think you know this, like a, a place like Kansas, when you recruit locally, you spend more time talking about the past of why it hasn't worked instead of talking sometimes with recruits and families and coaches about where you want to go. You're talking around things that you weren't even a part of. And and you're trying to get things back to a, a clean slate so somebody will take a look at it. When you have a guy like Devin Neal, he looks at it, he knows it, but he sees that he can be a difference. And he doesn't sit there, yes, he knows, but if this, this, and this happens, I can be impactful. I can be impactful to my community, to my you know, university, and to a football program for years and years to come. And, uh, and, and I think he's really embraced that. And, uh, and of course there, there's things with name, image and likeness, being a local guy that you have an opportunity. And, and I think some of those things has, have come his way. And that's one of the things that, you, as you know, um, player retention, isn't always to hit the portal. It's also then keeping them to understand between draft evaluation and other opportunities where the big picture is. And, uh, you know, I, I've I've said this to Devin. I've said this to Travis Goff. I've I've said to others. I, I sure hope that when Devin Neal is done playing, that he is somehow connected to the University of Kansas as an ambassador or something for the rest of his life. Because I think he's that type of person. I think he represents everything that's still excellent about college football and about what guys do and do through work ethic and humbleness and hard work. I'm pulling for him, Coach. I look at Devin, and I see what Ollie Gordon was able to do at Oklahoma State mm-hmm. last year, and that's that's not out of the realm of possibility for him. Uh, last one I have for you, Coach, is uh, I would have these sorts of conversations with Matt Campbell at Iowa State when he first got there, and I, I would tell him, hey, w- when people tell you, hey, we could have been 10-2, and two, and you're thinking, hey, it's better than being 2-10, and 10, I just say, say you're welcome. Like, that, that's it. Like <laughs> we, We're not at the bottom anymore. We're yeah. competitive in every game that we play. And people have high expectations for us. And as a fan, that's all I can ask for, man. I, I love to be in a competitive ball game against a team that I think I can get a win against. And every time I watch Kansas football, I'm having a good time. Uh, Kansas coach Lance Leipold, thank you so much for giving us some time here on the number one college football show. Talk about the 24 season. Coach, I hope we get to talk again, again uh, very soon. Always enjoyed, RJ. Thank you very much, and um, appreciate everything you do for for college football and the Big Twelve. And your knowledge and and understanding of our program really resonates with me each and every time we we, we talk. So I I really appreciate it, and reach out anytime. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My thanks to Lance Leipold for joining us here on the Number One College Football Show, and that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. Our number one college football show leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torin Westfall. They make us better in the film room. Production assistants Kiara Santana and Jim Cunningham put the special in our special teams. Social producer Javion Duncan makes sure the recruits and the rivals see the cake we baked. Gabe Sable is sending in the signal. Senior producer Catherine Cordaggi sees the entire field from the booth. Lead producer Tyler Wojak calls the plays from the sideline and the play snaps on my clap. We'll see y'all live next Tuesday. Until then, stay low. Keep those feet grinding. Deuces.